Welcome to the Mass Device Fast Five MedTech News Podcast, the show that keeps you up to date on the latest breakthroughs in medical technology with the top five news stories to get your day started. I'm your host, Danielle Kirsch, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Sean Hooley. Sean is back from a two-week conference run in California. How were the conferences that you went to, Sean? Let me start by saying it's good to be back on the East Coast. No offense to the West Coast people listening out there, but I'm an East Coast person, but it was a great two-week trip. Enjoyed both AdvaMed's the MedTech Conference in Anaheim the week of October 9th through 11th. And then, of course, our own Device Talks West last week, which was a great event up in Santa Clara. So lots of, you know, great conversations, lots of various topics touched on. Uh, To me, I've been saying it this whole time, main takeaway is sort of the rise of the buzzword that is digital and AI. Everyone wants to know how it's factoring into MedTech, but yeah, no, the, we do a short podcast here, so I can't really break down every little bit in detail from the shows, but really enjoyed my time at both shows. And hopefully listeners have enjoyed the content uh, we've been able to put out from both shows as well. So definitely. And while we were away at Device Talks, there were two major news stories that we didn't have the chance to talk about on the podcast since we took a little hiatus to focus on Device Talks. But a lot of we were still covering a lot of news over on Mass Device. And the first major story that I wanted to touch on is during a recent earnings call, Johnson and Johnson announced a two-year restructuring program for its deployee synthes orthopedic business. And in that announcement, it said it was going to focus on improving profitability and the initiative aimed to simplify operations, enhance growth, and meet rising product demand as a lot of restructuring deals do. And there might be some short-term revenue disruption, but the company said it's a strategic move to solidify the company's position in orthopedics and drive innovation. And Sean covered the other major news story that we had last week. That's right. It was the news that Edwards reportedly was subject of an EU antitrust probe due to its patent practices. Now, Reuters reported last week that a person familiar with the matter said that the European Commission's scrutiny of Edwards and its market share in Europe, its heart valves, leading to a surprise inspection at the company's facilities, was down to patent practices and policies against so-called copycat devices. So the reports say there's scrutiny over its unilateral pro-innovation or anti-copycat policy that went into effect almost four years ago. Uh, So basically, the company wants to end its support to what it considers copycat companies that include those who largely copy, reverse engineer, and duplicate innovate devices. So yeah, still just another wrinkle sort of added to the story that we've been covering all the way through. And obviously we'll continue to keep an eye on what may come of the scrutiny on Edwards. Very interesting updates. But now that we've gone over what we missed last week, what are we going to talk about today, Sean? Today, we'll talk about a collaboration between GE Healthcare and Boston Scientific, ICAD selling off one of its subsidiaries, the FDA clearing Omnipod 5's iPhone app, Philips posting its third quarter earnings, and Medtronic's FDA nod for an extravascular defibrillator. What's the first thing that we should know for today? First thing is that GE Healthcare announced a cardiac imaging collaboration with Boston Scientific. It's the latest in a long line of collaborations for GE Healthcare, which seems to be working all across medtech particularly on these imaging technologies. Yeah, I feel like we're hearing about a GE Healthcare collaboration weekly at this point, but what is the goal of this collaboration? So all of this came out of TCT conference out in San Francisco this week, but GE Healthcare 
intends to unveil its Interact Touch, the latest feature in its Aaliyah imaging platform that allows clinicians to access third-party devices and control up to three of those devices through a single touch panel. To build an ecosystem around Aaliyah, one of those third-party devices, the first made available by GE Healthcare, to work with Interact Touch is the Avigo Plus multimodality guidance system from Boston Scientific. So it, in, it integrates with the Aaliyah platform to provide multimodality control in one click, combining the image quality and dose optimization from GE Healthcare with Boston Scientific's automated lesion assessment tech. And you mentioned this is some news that's come out of TCT. What are some of the other highlights very briefly? Yeah, well, GE Healthcare's got a range of technologies it plans to showcase at TCT, including the Alia IGS Pulse, which is next-gen system that just got FDA clearance. It's also planning to show off its 3D Stent, one of its latest tools available on Alia that provides clinicians with intuitive 3D images for stent visualization without the need for additional contrast device or cost. And it also plans to showcase the Omnify XR interventional suite from MetaView, which further expands its 3D capabilities. What's the next thing that we should know? Next thing is that ICAD sold its soft brachytherapy business to Electa. It's another company seemingly looking to narrow its focus and spur growth by getting rid of some businesses that it doesn't really see as integral to the whole system. What are the details of the deal? So ICAD is selling this soft product line for $5.5 million. Electa is taking over the business effective immediately and will make the final payments to ICAD no later than November 6th, so just within the next couple of weeks. As part of the deal, Electa will assume all liabilities and employees will transfer with the business. Companies expect the transaction to complete in the second quarter of Electa's 2023-24 fiscal year. What is the product that Electa is acquiring? So the sale includes Zoff's Accent Electronic Brachytherapy, or EBX, system, which provides targeted cancer care expertly tailored to meet patients' personalized needs. It uses a miniaturized, low-energy X-ray source instead of a radioactive isotope in a variety of clinical settings. Electa executives must be optimistic about this acquisition as it furthers its business, right? Yeah, so the president of Brachy and Neurosolutions, John LaPre, said that the company will be able to provide a wider range of radiation therapy options tailored to the specific needs and preferences of the clinics they support, while helping to reduce their operational costs since no extensive shielding is needed, and it'll minimize their logistical challenges, such as importing radioactive material. So certainly optimistic about this move. Now let's talk diabetes care. Yeah, the FDA cleared the iPhone app for the Insulet Omnipod 5, meaning that even more people can control their insulin pump from their personal device now. What makes this clearance significant? Well, it makes Insulet the only company offering a tubeless automated insulin delivery system with full control from a compatible Android and now iOS smartphone. The company first launched a system with compatibility for Android devices in August 2022 having received FDA clearance at the start of last year. So it's been a long time coming to get the iOS operation as well. What's the analyst view of this FDA clearance? BTIG's Marie Tibault and Sam Iber maintain their buy rating for Insulet, saying it's a significant win, enabling a more convenient patient experience by removing the need to carry a separate controller. It's also got new features, including new custom foods feature that gives them the ability to save carbohydrate data for favorite foods or meals that are consumed frequently. So the analysts didn't have any other updates on Insulet, but I think they plan to have more when the company reports its third quarter financial results in two weeks. Rather than explaining what the Omnipod 5 is again on this podcast, can you tell us a little bit about some of the challenges that Insulet had to overcome to make the Omnipod 5? 
Yeah, well, we were lucky enough at Device Talks West to have Mark Field, Insulate's Chief Technology Officer, present. He outlined the road Insulate took to bring the Omnipod 5 to market, as well as some of the company's plans for the future. So some of those topics were utilizing an untapped engineering talent pool in Mexico, making vital operational changes during COVID-19, and the initial hiccups the company faced as demand for the device trumped the company's initial capabilities, which actually led to some vital partnerships that Field touched on. So yeah, it's uh, it was a really great presentation, something that we've now covered on Drug Delivery Business News and Mass Device. So would really recommend reading more about that, hearing what Insulate and Mark Field had to say. And that story will be linked in the show notes, which we will give you the link to at the end of this episode. But let's move on to the one earning story that we limited ourselves to today. <laughs> yeah, well, we're heading into earnings season, so we'll be having a few more of these for sure. But Philips stock rose on third quarter growth and an increased 2023 outlook. So positive results for the company, which still continues to deal with some less positive things like workforce reductions and recall remediation. What were its profits and sales for the quarter, and what did the company attribute the performance to? Phillips posted profits of $95.6 million, approximately there, thereabouts, uh, on sales of $4.75 billion. It attributed the improved performance to increased sales, pricing, and productivity measures with higher earnings and improved work and capital management. Another big highlight worth mentioning from the quarter is that the company has reached 7,500 roles reduced as part of a shift in management efforts. Uh, Workforce reductions have been going on for a while, and the company actually plans to eliminate 10,000 total roles by 2025. Interesting. What updates did the company provide in regards to its ongoing recall of those Respironics devices? Yeah, the company reports that it completed more than 99% of its sleep therapy device remediations for devices with complete and actionable registrations and continues the remediation of the ventilator devices involved in that massive recall that, that's been ongoing that we've obviously covered extensively. Philips continues to work with the FDA and agreed to implement additional testing after the agency requested more data. That news came out a couple weeks ago. The company also received preliminary court approval to resolve all economic loss claims in the U.S. multi-district litigation related to the recall. So the settlement doesn't include or constitute an admission of liability, wrongdoing, or fault. This is what we know, and there's still ongoing talks with the U.S. Justice Department and a proposed consent decree. So there's still a lot going on with the Respironics recall. company has been transparent with it in this sense through now. We'll, we'll still continue to follow you know, any further fallout or any further positive updates on that as, as they come. And what's the last thing that we should know for today? The last thing is that Medtronic won an FDA nod for its extravascular defibrillator. Looks like a major innovation that could help avoid some of the pitfalls of traditional defibrillators. What is the system and how does it work? The system is the Aurora EV ICD MRI SureScan and it delivers defibrillation, anti-tachycardia pacing, and backup pause prevention pacing therapies. It's still a device similar in size, shape, and longevity to traditional transvenous implantable cardioverter defibrillators or ICDs, but it comes with the Aspila EV MRI SureScan defibrillation lead to treat dangerously fast heart rhythms that can lead to sudden cardiac arrest. So what do the experts think? What do the doctors think about this technology? Dr. Bradley P. Knight, the medical director of electrophysiology at Northwestern Medicine Bloom Cardiovascular Institute and a co-author of a study of the device, called the system a tremendous step forward in implantable defibrillator technology. 
saying that placing the leads outside the heart rather than inside the heart and veins reduces the risk of long-term complications, ultimately allowing us to further evolve safe and effective ICD technology. And that was all the news that we had for today. Thank you, Sean, for bringing us all of these insights and welcome back from California. My pleasure. Thank you for welcoming me back. It's good to be back. And as always, read more on the Mass Device website and check out the show notes at massdevice.com slash podcast. Connect with us online. I'm on LinkedIn at Danielle Kirsch, K-I-R-S-H. What about you, Sean? You can find me on LinkedIn, Sean, S-E-A-N, Hooley, W-H-O-O-L-E-Y. I recommend checking it out because we actually have plenty of content from Device Talks West that if you didn't see on LinkedIn, you can see all all of our profiles there that we've shared quite a bit. Subscribe to the Mass Device Fast Five wherever you listen to podcasts and share this episode. Join us tomorrow for your daily MedTech News Roundup. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.